We know that being thankful, an attitude that we are to have, is, is not just a one-time deal like a national holiday. And so we're, we're looking at a lifestyle that we're talking about. And it's easy when we look, look at this Thanksgiving type of time that we're in to give thanks about all the easy things. Things that go away, things that are nice, things that we think are good, whatever those things are, it's easy. But how often do we actually give thanks to God for things that we, from our perspective, think are evil, perceived evil? When things about the work of the church aren't going so well, is that a time to actually give thanks to God? Some would say, that's ludicrous. Why would you ever do such a thing? And I want you to know that in all things, we can give thanks. And there are reasons for that, and we'll actually look at some of those reasons this morning. But how often do we actually give thanks for things that we perceive to be evil? And so for Christians then, this should be a lifestyle. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18, we are told, in everything, give thanks. And I don't think that the Apostle Paul meant just whenever things are looking good for you. And we need to understand this is a lifestyle that we are living. And one of the things that I remember from our studies that we've had, uh, in fact, recently, when we had the men's breakfast uh, a couple of Saturdays ago, was from a standpoint that we're talking about counting our blessings. And I remember the men going around the table, each one speaking about various passages and what have you. And then we finished off with one of our elders, with Don. And Don said, you know, I, I took this literally. And I was so glad he did. He listed one thing after another after another of those things that we should be thankful for. And there's a lot of things when we count our blessings that we can be grateful for. But you know, when we talk about being thankful, we're talking about an attitude that we have of giving God thanks. In fact, the Word literally has this concept that is attached primarily to God. We might be thankful for individuals and we might be thankful for certain events that take place, but the word and how it's typically and primarily used in Scripture is that we give God thanks. We give God thanks for what goes on in the lives of individuals. We give God thanks for various events that take place, whether from a national standpoint or to me specifically. And we've God thanks for various reasons, and we're looking at some of those reasons um, this morning, and one of them is from the standpoint that He's our Creator. I mean, stop and think about this. When you look at God, it's just, yeah, he, he made us. We can read Genesis chapter 1. We can read all the way through verse 26 when He made man in, in His image and so on and so forth. But you ever stop and consider how awe-inspiring it is, the things that He's done? I hear people going, wow, when they see the Grand Canyon. Just amazed at it. Or in one of these majestic buildings come, come up. And we, wow, look at how tall it is. Whether it's the new ones in Dubai or some of the ones that we've been used to in our country. And we get amazed. When I think about the things that are either man-made or from a natural standpoint, you know what gets me? To think that you can go five miles above sea level and hit the tops of the mountains, the highest mountains in this world. Five miles? And go five miles below the sea level and get down to the lowest valleys that are on this planet. That to me is absolutely phenomenal 
to think of all the mass that is. And then to, to see things from a tiny, tiny level, like the cell. And how even scientists just up until a few decades ago would look at the cell in a very simple manner. And I remember in biology class in college being taught about the cell and how simple it was. And today, that's just not the way it's thought. It is mind-blowing the complexity of what goes on in one cell. And I cannot help but think, this is my God who created me. And at such a small little level, there is great complexity and we see amazing design work at hand. And that's our God. And in fact, what I love about Psalm 8 is the praise that is given to God for the fact that He is our Creator. And when you can look at all the Psalms, and there's over a hundred Psalms that deal with God's creation at some point within the Psalms, you cannot help but marvel that this is our God that we can go to in prayer and say, thank you. I want you to look at the 8th Psalm. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Who has set your glory above the heavens? And out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you're mindful of him? And the Son of Man, that you visit him. For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Do you know that this psalm was not directly used in reference to the Messiah, even though that was what's quoted later on. It goes back to Genesis chapter 1 and his creation of man and making man dominion over all that creation and the thanksgiving that David was giving him. Of course, this is messianic. This is looking forward to the Messiah as well and how great. But when you look at that primary text, what he did with man, cannot help but give him thanks of all that he's done to create us. But the same God that made us, made us in such a manner as to provide everything that we need for this world and for the life to come. You stop and think about this. You're breathing right now, and you have no control over how good you breathe. You don't think about it. You don't say, next breath. Oh, I forgot to breathe. You never do any of those things. God has set you up in such a manner that He provides for you your breath. And every step that you take, He has given you that energy, He has given you the muscle strength, He has given you what you need. So you don't really have to go, okay, take my steps forward. And He provides spiritually that path for you to step forward, if you will, in your life. And in the 65th Psalm, you have more of God's beautiful providence. And notice the things that He provides for. In Psalm 65, it says here, beginning in verse 9, going through verse 13, it says, you visit the earth and water it. We have no control over it. You greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide their grain. 
for so you have prepared it. You water its ridges abundantly. You settle its furrows. You make it soft with showers. You bless its growth. You crown the year with your goodness. And your paths drip with abundance. They drop on the pastures of the wilderness, and the little hills rejoice on every side. The pastures are clothed with flocks. The valleys also are covered with grain. They shout for joy. They also sing. If creation can understand the blessings that God has given to us and shout out in this manner, how much more those God has given a tongue to, that we can get thanks every single day, this morning, or this week, or this month, did you go without any food? Did you lack any clothing this month? In fact, as I look out, got some pretty nice threads around here. We're so well dressed. And we eat in abundance. Sometimes too much abundance. <laughs> we have so many things that God provides us for. We take for granted, brethren, I believe in our easy modern society, to just go to the store, go to a place, and have some packaged food. Whether it's meat packaged up ready for us, or whatever else we may purchase from that store. We don't have to go out into the field, hunt something down, and after many hours of struggle and carrying hundreds of pounds back with us, or, or whatever that abundance we might bring back, and then dress it after we've killed and and done whatever we can to it, then prepare and, and cook it. And hours later, we get to eat. We're so provided for. And our psalmist gives thanks to God for it. Or how about the fact we have redemption in Christ Jesus? We are told that in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. We are told that in Romans chapter 6. We are told that all throughout the New Testament Scriptures that our God who has given us His Son, the Savior, named Jesus Christ, has become our Redeemer. That we were purchased by and through the blood of Jesus Christ. And going from a life full of sin and death, being fully separated from God, we now have life in Him. Brethren, do you not help but give thanks to God every day? I mean, literally, say, thank you, Lord. When you wake up and thank you, Lord, when you go to bed and thank you, Lord, when you have food on your plate and thank you, Lord, when you put clothes on or do we just take those things for granted? Because I'll tell you, there's a lot of people that do. And probably they're going to be from time to time Christians who take for granted these very blessings. But I want to say something about these three things. When you look at all that we have every single day, and you give thanks, does it not make you in turn feel special and valuable that God would provide? Not just for the animals, not just for the mountains and for the valleys and for the fields, but provide for you all those things. Because I'll tell you, when He made man in His image, He was the crowning creation. And how valuable that God could care for our sparrows and for flowers and so much more for us. That's our God. That's why He is our rock 
He is our shield. He is our reign. He is everything. And we need to give Him thanks for it. I believe when you have this concept of thanksgiving, that there are a number of reasons, among which are these three. Number one, I believe thanksgiving is a medicine for discouragement. You ever stop and think about when we have times in our lives where we're depressed about something? And you stop and consider, you know, maybe woe is me, my car broke down, and I don't have the means to, to pay for it being fixed right now. Or maybe it's something more serious. Like we're talking to people about their souls. And everyone we talk to rejects us. I got a letter from a sister in Christ recently about this very thing. I'm talking to everyone at work, Mitch, and they're hating me. And they're calling me names. And I told her to be happy. (laughs) She was confused. How can I be happy about this? I said, happy because the Apostle Peter said, rejoice. And James said, in James chapter 1, verse 2, rejoice when you fall into various trials, knowing that it produces within you maturing, character building. I said, count yourself worthy to suffer shame for the cause of Christ. You know that Jesus did it, right? Yes. And you know his apostles did it? Yes. And you know that many of his disciples have died, whether on the cross, or in jail, or stoned to death in some way, for Christ. You know that. Oh, yeah, I know that. You know many of them died with smiles on their faces? And that pain, it was painful. And that torture was torturous. How is it possible? I'm not saying everyone did that. It's a smile from within the heart that says, Lord, thank you for allowing me to follow in your footsteps. How many of us think that way? What we do is we get down typically in our country because we're thin-skinned anymore that when some little thing goes wrong, woe is me. Things that are insignificant in the grand scheme of redemption. And we don't want to die a, a death Serving the Lord, we'd rather die very peacefully. And there's nothing wrong with dying peacefully. I think it's a wonderful thing. But we don't rejoice over the fact that we could, whether it's our brothers or sisters in the faith or our own lives, die for the cause of Christ. If we have this attitude of thanksgiving, it serves as medicine against that kind of discouragement. It serves in such a manner that we have this outlook that that glass. It's half full, not half empty. I think that when persecution comes in this country, it'll be a good thing for the Lord's body here. Some brethren disagree with me. I think what it'll do, it'll be a nice severing, if you will, of those that really give themselves to the Lord and rejoice in doing so, and those that just want to be comfortable as Christians, living comfortable lives as Christians. And the ones that will rejoice have thanksgiving as their medicine. In all things. Not just the things perceived good. Remember that passage we were talking about in the auditorium class? And the passage was in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, or verse 28, following, you know, all things work together for good. When Paul wrote these to brethren, 
These brethren were being persecuted. All things for good. And you can see how things work out in such a manner when we give thanks to God. In Acts chapter 4 and Acts chapter 5, when the apostles were preaching and proclaiming Jesus Christ, after they had been beaten by the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter 4, they thanked God that they were worthy for such. Thanking God. When Paul and Philip were in prison in Philippi, remember for our Philippian letter now for next week following, they sang hymns. And what did James say when, when you're happy? Sing hymns. It's medicine. And God works everything out just the way He needs to for His own glory. And we can give Him thanks. Even when things are perceived not to be going so well. And I apologize for this being in the way. But just as Paul said in First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, give thanks in everything. From a grammatical standpoint, when he says, in everything or in all things, give thanks, that was a command. Don't you find it ironic? You cannot make someone to be thankful, and yet you still commend them. Like, for instance, when I tell the girls or I tell the boys in our family, I say, I want you to do such and such, they'll do it, but they may not like it necessarily. I can't force that attitude, and yet Paul is doing just that, and he's commending it. I think these are the reasons why. He's commanding it because this is the will of God. That we live thankfully. That we count our blessings. And yet many still do not. I want you to look at Romans chapter 1. Look at the text here. Which I find very appropriate for what we're talking about because it's easy for Christians to forget being thankful. But there's something more in that. And this becomes a lifestyle for so many that when we forget our God and forget giving thanks to Him, something worse happens. Beginning in verse 18, and we're going to focus in on verse 20 following, Paul says to the saints that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Why is that? He says, because what may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has shown it to them. Look at all these beautiful things in this world. When we look at every creature and study it, I mean, thoroughly, you sit down like Solomon with all his wisdom and you study that ant. You study the bird and the eagle. And you look real closely at all the details and how they do things. And you look at all the creation from the trees and flowers and and the mountains, and the rivers, and the pastures, and how everything works. By the way, science becomes more enjoyable, I think, from that standpoint. But when you are in awe over all these things, you give them thanks. But at some point, when you stop looking, you stop seeing God. And when you stop seeing God, naturally you're going to stop giving Him the thanks for all that is provided, all that's been created for your glory, for your benefit, that you may glory in Him, and serve Him? You get to this point where many are not thankful. It says in verse 24, Since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen. Talk about a paradox, but by faith you can understand. His invisible attributes, when you see the love of God, the consolation of Him, 
His comfort. I mean, you wouldn't know comfort unless you had loss. You would not know love unless you've seen hatred. And brethren, we see a lot of hatred, right, in this world. We see a lot of immorality. Now you get to know what true holiness is. Yeah. When you hear of pain that goes on in the lives because we lose someone or something, then we can understand comfort and the God of comfort. We get to see His invisible attributes clearly seen through faith. Being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to, become, uh, to be wise, they became fools, and so on and so forth. They changed the glory of the incorruptible God into their own idolatrous corruption. These people, when they forsake, and I'm talk, when I say in third person these people, they could be Christians that become those who turn their backs against God. They forget to give thanks, even though they know He exists. I hate to admit it, but I know of personal people that are so close and dear to me who have gone this way in their lives. Where they would, with their tongue, say, I love you, God. And in their lives, it is the most despicable and ungodly and immoral lifestyle. Same person. Although they know God, they don't give Him thanks. And even when they say thank you with their lips, it's far from their hearts. Brethren, this is the result when we're not thankful to God. This is where we end up on as far as a path and a lifestyle. If it's not indifferent, it is out and out immoral. Many live this way without giving thanks. That's why I believe that it's a medicine. I believe it's important for us to understand that Thanksgiving is not just a one-time deal. We know that. We understand that this is a national holiday. We can look at it from a historical standpoint, you know, starting with from pilgrims and the things that they were grateful for, whether it's from the food they sent for or God's providence of bringing them over or the help that they received from, from the natives here, whatever the, the historical ramifications, we know that from a national standpoint, historical standpoint. But man, daily, every single day, not just only on Sundays, but every day, we should be thankful for every little and great thing. And when we are thankful, how much better to live this life? How much better that when we look at one another and serve each other, that we can be thankful? If we're to write those things down, and I remember my mom every year having me and my sisters write down ten things we were thankful for, and I somewhere along the line forgot that tradition. My sisters still do it. But writing it. But when you can verbally or write it down, concretely thank God for all kinds of things, and the more things you can be thanking Him for, you'd be surprised how much more grateful you are in the way you live, in the way you talk to people about how good God is. It's not a scary thing. It's not an uncomfortable thing. It's joyous. If you ever find it hard to be thankful, stop, count your blessings. Lift them down. And amazing how all the difficult trials begin to be not as 
daunting a task or scary or painful. If we can count our blessings, sounds like a song, right? Name them one by one. When you can do that, amazing. Well, we come to realize and be refreshed by all that God does for us every single day. I want you to know that from the bottom of my heart, I am so grateful that I'm in Jesus Christ. Oh, thank you, Miss Sue. I'll be right up here so she can hear me better. <laughs> I want you to know that every day when I wake up, Mitch Davis says, thank you, God. Now, when I say that literally, there might be a day or two that I forget and I just get up, roll in bed and start doing whatever, but everything I can remember every morning I wake up, I have a smile on my face. And that achy back doesn't feel so achy when I can wake up with Thanksgiving. And all that, the tiredness, don't feel so tired when I think of all that my God does for me. You ask me, Mitch, why do you have a smile on your face? Because I'm so grateful for what God does for me every single day. He blesses me through your lives every single day. Every day. He blesses me through my family's lives every single day. He blesses me through various circumstances every single day. And you can have that very lifestyle every single day. But you've got to look to all those things, even the trials that are difficult and perceived to be evil in your life. Look for how it builds your character. And you'll see a different life. And you'll see the blessings flow evermore from our God who gives us every blessing from the heavenly places.